Welcome to Fireside with Voxgig, a podcast for professional and aspiring public speakers. I'm your host, Orla Shanahi of Voxgig, an online community for speakers and event professionals. We're here to help you get the most out of speaking, organizing, exhibiting, and attending. In each episode, I sit down for an intimate fireside chat with people in the public speaking community. My aim is to learn how they have mastered the art of getting up on stage and speaking in front of an audience. If you are an aspiring speaker or just want to improve your onstage performance, this podcast will help you learn from some of the most accomplished and interesting professional conference speakers. And before we begin, a quick shout out and thank you to our sponsor, Simplecast.com, the first and last word in podcasts. In this episode, I'm chatting to Wojciech Kowodziecek. Wojciech is a business trainer specializing in cross-cultural communication, networking, and negotiation skills for British, Polish, and other international businesses. He also lectures on cross-cultural networking skills for the Federation of Small Businesses and London Metropolitan University, among others. I'll be talking to Wojciech about what cross-cultural networking is and why it's so important for anyone doing business across cultural borders. I'll also ask how he created this career for himself. And intriguingly, I'll be finding out how a man who was something of a wheeler and dealer in communist-era Poland had a big influence on Wojciech's career. Wojciech, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thanks for inviting me. It's a real pleasure. <laughs> our pleasure too. Most of our listeners, I think, will have some idea what's meant by cross-cultural networking. And some might say, isn't that just about going to business meetings and meeting new people from different countries? Or is there more to it than that? I, I think that's what it is, but it's not that easy, actually. <laughs> so sometimes people ask me, what do you do for a living? And um, sometimes when I'm in a very funny mood, I would answer, well, I talk to people for a living and I'm paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's, uh, networking is all about building relationships. And of course, cultural networking is slightly more difficult version of it because we just we meet people with completely a different set of rules. And uh, it's just fun. And it's just good to know that uh, we, we're all different. And that's, I think, that's the beauty of, of the life that we all in this world from different backgrounds. Okay. And how does that apply, though, to business and to, to making deals, to making business happen? Well, it applies a lot, actually, because, you know, some people say that, oh, we, we all talk in international business language and the culture has got nothing to do with that. And in fact, it's got so much to do with it. I will give you an example. About a month ago, I had a call from a Polish CEO of the company that is trading worldwide. And uh, they had a meeting about two months ago in the UK uh, with uh, the British company that I was interested in dealing with them in a long-term partnership. They invited the Polish CEO and, uh, and his head of sales uh, for a meeting in the UK. And after that meeting, there was no response from the British side whatsoever, not even the email. So the policy was like, Wojciech, you came recommended, and I have no idea what happened. We came to the UK, we had a meeting with them, 
and something happened, but we're not sure what happened. So when they were telling me, well, you know, how it came about. So imagine this. I don't know much about Irish, but with English, they, they like their small talk. Yes. So when they met at the premises of the British company, they started with some, you know, icebreakers asking, you know, how is family, how is how things in Poland and Poles. We're, we're basically cutting to the chase because we Polish, we are very direct and uh, we, we don't like small talk. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so Polish company was invited for two days of negotiations. And at the beginning of the meeting, they said, sorry, guys, we're not staying over for the next day. We're flying back today. So they've made several cultural mistakes like that. So they didn't respect the fact that it's a family business that needs to build relationships with people before they sign the contract. Okay. So they shook hands. Polish side thought that it's done deal, but British were just, you know, um, it's a high context culture and they frequently, they don't say what they actually think. Okay. <laughs> and that's a key insight, isn't it? You know, if you're, if the person you're dealing with isn't saying what they're thinking directly and if it's all very context dependent, like you're saying, if you don't get that, you're not going to get the deal. Exactly. And sometimes you hear like, Oh, we'll be in touch. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, um, after two minutes, you realize, come on, I don't have your contact details. How we should be in touch? And it was just a polite saying, oh, hey, never see you again. Exactly. It actually means we'll never speak again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, let's rewind a tiny little bit. So you've already mentioned you're in the UK. You're from Poland. Your business is called Life Networker. Can you tell us what is Life Networker? What is that all about? The whole name of the whole business, it all started when I was doing lots of networking. I'm a lawyer by trade. Okay. When I dropped that career to be a business developer at one of the top 100 law firms in the UK, um, I was doing lots of networking, attending conferences, organizing conferences. Since 2014, I've organized more than 300 networking uh, meetings and conferences, so I had loads of practice. As a result of that, I've managed to build my career, business, but that wasn't the only thing because I met loads of friends and even love of my life, I met at a networking event. So I realized that actually relationships Networking is all about actually our lives. So that's why I came out with the name Life Networker. Uh But obviously you're putting a business spin on the life networking concept. Exactly. So you can, uh, through networking, you can find your dream job or you can find better clients. So you basically, you need to start networking in the right environment where you can find your business partners or clients. Okay. I saw on your profile, you say, after 12 years in the business and thousands of presentations and meetings, I still see people coming unprepared and unable to raise my interest. So tell us a bit about that. Are people really so unprepared for doing business across cultural boundaries? Well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think that's um, uh, interesting that people in business professionals, they don't prepare for the meetings. They don't have the... A little sound device or elevator pitches prepared, and they just talking about themselves and they're boring. 
Okay. Usually, the first impression is very important. Of course. Um, it, you know, body language, the tonality of the voice, and what we're actually saying. Networking and building relationships is so important, and people don't treat it seriously. And they, they forget that it's part of the business, part of the business development, marketing activities. And that's it's the same thing. Like we check someone's website. And we looked how how does it look like the, the first impression about the business. And the same thing is with how whether we make the right good impression uh, when meeting new people. Mm-hmm. Simple things like you know your handshake. You got to be careful whether you're making it right. Really? Yeah. Well, you know it's amazing that so many and it's really embarrassing when you meet a gentleman whose handshake is so weak, so called <laughs> dead fish. Yes, the wet fish. <laughs> or wet fish, yeah, he's got different names. I love, you know, dead fish because it's just, you know, <laughs> there's no life in it. Yes, I get what you mean. And and people forget that if you are introducing uh, yourself and the other person is giving you, a, you know, wet fish or dead fish, it just it's not a person that you would like to do business with. Yes. You already started on a really wrong foot. And then you have the other people trying to dominate you with the Donald Trump style handshake like he did on many occasions. And the famous one was uh, during the campaign uh, when he was shaking hands with Hillary Clinton and he nearly crushed her hand. His approach was from the top, so he was yes. showing that uh, he is the boss. <laughs> yes. I did come across this thing myself a while ago, reading something else about handshakes. And it's funny you should mention Trump because it mentioned a previous president of the United States, Clinton, uh-huh. and how he would put his hand. He would actually turn the hands and put it so that they're lying flat, and his would be on top. Uh-huh. Obviously, they're two very different people, Clinton and Trump, but it was still a nice, subtle way of declaring I'm the boss. Yeah, and it's kind of, it's a bit patronizing, isn't it? You, yes. You, you would see, for example, the Pope doing that kind of stuff. Really? And, and, and the Pope is, you know, it, it is okay because he's the Pope. <laughs> and, and with the presidents like Trump or Clinton, they can afford it because they're presidents of the most powerful country in the world. But in business, when there is a meeting of equals, there is no place for that. Okay. It's really not recommended to do the, the style that you, you mentioned mm-hmm. or, or the Donald Trump one. It's just there is no place in a business environment okay. for that. So what should we do in business? We should really work on our first impression. So, you know, the smile, eye contact, very pleasant, firm handshake. But not too firm. Yeah, not too firm. You know, it's kind of like, it's very good to kind of to feel the, uh, the energy of the other person and mm-hmm. try to match it. So if someone's handshake is slightly strong, we kind of, during that handshake, we can still make some corrections. <laughs> okay. uh, like you said, people are not prepared. And we're talking about people are, they don't know why they actually at, are attending the meeting. So this is even worse. Yes. Last week, I was at a networking event. And uh, one, of the, one of the attendees was like, oh, um, we had a bit of small talk. That's why you decided to, to come here. And he said, well, my friend invited me 
and I actually I gotta go in a couple of minutes to go back to work. And I was like, hmm, so so you're not at work now? <laughs> well, no, um, I'm gonna start work at 10 a.m. I was like, okay, but you represent your firm here, right? Well, yeah. Okay. So you are at work. Hmm. Well, I think you can say that. (laughs) (laughs) Wojciech, a lot of the things you've been saying apply really well to general business dealings. But what I'm really interested in is how they apply specifically to your specialization, which is Polish-UK dealings. So can you give us an idea um, of any specific things when it comes to dealing with people who are doing business between Poland and the UK? What do you advise them to do or not to do? I mean, the first thing that I would advise to anyone doing business in another country or with businesses, representatives from another country is to have one thing in mind. First of all, to be aware that we are all different and uh, we may have different rules. And I like this old saying, which, uh, which is, when in Rome, do as Romans do. So uh-huh. let's, say, let's say you are from Ireland and you're doing business with uh, Polish business from Poland, UK or Ireland, but it's a Polish individual. Yes. You should do some research. Uh, and there's lots of information online. Or you can just, you know, contact me and ask, hey, <laughs> yes. uh, I got this meeting, uh, you know, next month, which is very important. The contract's worth of 60,000 pounds. I don't want to um, screw it. So how can I make it? And how can they make that great impression? What should I be aware of? So first of all, I think it could apply to to Irish, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Like I said before, Polish, they don't do small talk whatsoever. Yeah. We cut to the chase straight away. For us, small talk is pointless. It's a cultural thing. In the UK, which is a high context culture, people use small talk as a vehicle to learn more about the other person to find things in common yes and one of the greatest examples i give is uh, that the, the the absolute superstar on small talk is queen elizabeth uh-huh. because what she does is when obviously when people are um, uh, visiting uh, queen elizabeth they, they might be a bit stressed mm-hmm. <laughs> i would so but the first question she uh, she asks is, have you come from far? Ah, yes. And you would really say something like, oh, your Highness, I came from Manchester. And she would answer, oh, I remember I was in Manchester in 1975. Mm-hmm. Is that restaurant in Northern Quarter still there? Ah, yes. And oh, yes, I, I came there with my family a month ago, da, da, da. And then the conversation is flowing and it's so nice and warm. Queen Elizabeth is using small talk, very simple questions, which are very universal. And and she's trying to find a common ground, things we have in common. Okay. So it could be the place. So, and she's building on that. Okay. So that's, and but when you do business with Polish, you need to know that for the British or Irish, they need to cut down on small talk. Yes. <laughs> so, um, and it's the, the, exactly the, the other way around. I, I teach Poles how to communicate with, uh, with British. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing is, uh, which is quite similar. Um, Brits like bitting about the bush. Yes. They don't say things directly. And we Poles, if we don't like something, we just say it. 
And it's amazing. Let's say in a corporate environment, we have a Polish manager who is dealing with different nationalities and there are British and Irish. And so the British feedback would be something like, oh, I really like what you're doing. Perhaps I suggest that you could do this stuff better. Yes. And for example, the Polish would understand it. Wow, fantastic. What a appraisal. Uh, you know, my manager was really happy with my work, which in fact... This is the feedback which is saying, you should change this. Otherwise, you're going to make this mistake again. (laughs) And the Polish manager, on the other hand, would say, okay, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, and you're doing this wrong, which was, you know, literally in your face. Yes. feedback so to an an English or Irish person that would be oh terrible feedback you know he really didn't like me he really didn't like what I had to say which is not what he means (laughs) exactly and uh, um, I mean one of my clients after one of the companies in the UK they employed Polish manager after a recent meeting, <laughs> three employees uh, literally straight away uh, left notices. <laughs> <laughs> they felt so offended by the poor Polish manager and he wasn't aware what he's doing wrong. And people would say, oh, he's rude, he's this and that. No, it's just we have completely different communication styles and it's a cultural thing. Yeah, And we just kind of went through a couple of examples and there are many, many other ones. Um, And if you go to clients like Japan, you know, this is even, you know, this is huge. Yes, it's a whole different story. The way you present the business card. Mm -hmm. um, And so uh, I saw people, you know, exchanging business cards with Japanese person and they were writing down on the business card some notes. Mm -hmm. And it's a big no for Japanese people. They feel so offended when you disrespect the business card. They, they feel so attached to, okay. to a simple business card. So, yeah, it's, um, so, so that's what I do for a living. <laughs> well, you've certainly convinced me, Wojciech, that preparing the cross-cultural communication side of any business deal is so important. And I mean, the UK and Poland aren't that far apart geographically. You know, the differences, as you've illustrated, are huge, let alone somewhere even farther uh, away culturally like Japan. I want to talk a little bit about your background. Um, you mentioned there that you, you started out in law. Um, and I know that you studied that. You studied law in Poland and in the UK. So um, take me back a little bit. Why did you initially choose law as your area? I think back in, I, uh, I was studying law back in Poland and then I moved to the UK uh, to continue my education, I actually graduated in the UK. Okay. Uh, I think the reason was because uh, I found law as one way of helping people. Uh, one of my mentors um, was um, uh, he's still a lawyer, a judge in Poland. Okay. So he he was a you know massive influence at the early stages of my career. But when <laughs> when I actually finished the when I graduated and uh, when I was working as a training solicitor, I realized that it's not my thing. Okay. Actually, after one year of working as a lawyer, I, I had the, the biggest depression of my life. Oh. <laughs> Everyone was like, for, you know, my family, friends, they were so proud of me and happy. Oh, wow. 
you've done this and that. And I was like shattered and I was like, oh, what's going on with me? I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to that. You know, many people do start out in one field and just realize as time goes by that it's not for them. And it can be very difficult mm. um, psychologically to make that transition. Um, so how did you, when, once you decided you needed to move on from law, how did you end up in cross-cultural communication? The one thing that I would recommend to people to listen to their heart, and you can start by finding your mission and your values. This is where I realized that, okay, law stuff is not for me. And we are more efficient. We are happy when we do things that we like. And I realized that the uh, I'm, I'm very happy when I'm around people, when I'm at networking meetings, conferences. That's what I love doing, helping people uh, to communicate uh, in business, in career and in life. So, uh, but, but it started um, with uh, finding my mission and my values. Mm-hmm. So this is the, the process I recommend to everyone that is feeling that he's living someone else's life. And that's how I felt at some stage in my life. And uh, it's so important. So at the end of the day, we don't want to um, you know, wake up in our 60s or 70s and then regret that we didn't do stuff that we really loved. Um, so, so yeah, I dropped that career. And what I do now is, uh, is just you know, fantastic. So uh, I, I have a pleasure to speak at the House of Parliament, House of Commons uh, this week. And uh, I'll be doing the presentation, 20 minutes presentation on cross-cultural differences, advising Polish businesses how they can communicate better with, with British businesses. It's a 60 million Congress, whereas uh, Polonia from all over the world is gathering in the House of Commons uh, to talk okay. about the future of uh, you know, British-Polish relationships. That's incredible. But how did you actually get your foot in the door once you decided to change career? What was your first step into cross-cultural communication? <laughs> I mean, first, first, very important step is to uh, just do things. Just start doing it. Uh, do not overthink. Um, and that's what I did. Um, I started networking. I said to myself that uh, my mission is to help um, hundreds thousands of Polish businesses all over the world to do business with other countries, with British in particular. So I said to myself, I first need to do it myself. (laughs) So I started going to networking meetings with British in different groups, different meetings. And I was organizing Anglo-Polish conferences. uh, British-Polish networking events where I could test, when I could watch, learn from both sides experience uh, the practicalities of uh, cross-cultural networking. Okay. Learned from experts, from the other experts. So one of the things is to find a mentor, people that are a few steps ahead of you and uh, the, the people that you can learn from. That sounds like really good advice for anyone else starting out in any career, really. Pretty much. And what was your first public speaking experience, would you say? Did you have that moment where it's your first time and you're dying of nerves? <laughs> I mean, first public speaking ever. That could be like a primary school when I was talking in front of uh, a mm-hmm. group in a class and I was uh, afraid to talk to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on Saturday, I was, uh, I was speaking to 160 entrepreneurs in London. 
and I was having fun. It was great. But, you know, back in primary school or high school, you know, I was a completely different person, all because I was, I've been practicing all these years. It is scary thing to speak in front of other people and we fear of you know rejection people are not gonna laugh at our jokes or we're gonna make fool of ourselves so i've had it all okay. <laughs> and uh, the more we do things the more the more we practice public speaking the more comfortable we, we are with it and yes. uh, so that's uh, again just start talking to people, uh, just uh, start networking, just start presenting about your business, your career. And then with practice, you, you will get better at it. Yeah. Um, and my first talk on networking was back in 2014 in London. Yes, I was really mm -hmm. excited, but I was frightened. Yes. <laughs> but, but now it's great. I mean, uh, my first massive work experience was in 2017. 600 people with top Polish um, uh, motivational speaker, um, Mateusz Grzesiak. Um, I was literally just after him, you know, 600 people in the, in the audience. Uh, it was wow. massive. It went really poorly, to be honest. <laughs> but since then, uh, I've had like 103 speaking engagements. I counted recently. 103 since 2017? Exactly. And, wow. uh, and because uh, after Saturday, people were like, wow, Wojciech, you're such a great storyteller and everything. I was like, whoa, you should see me before. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Yeah. Wojciech, I know you have, uh, there's, a, there's a person in your life that has been a huge influence on you, uh, a man who was a bit of a wheeler and dealer, if I, if I understand correctly. Uh, that was yeah. your granddad. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about how he influenced you, what he was like, um, how he came to have such an effect on your career? The granddad was really great because um, <laughs> he showed me how to do networking in practice. So I remember him in the textile industry in Poland during communistic times, really difficult for any type of networking. Mm -hmm. You know, he was dealing with Russian, with Germans, with Jewish and, and other cultures. And he was doing it really smoothly. And one sentence he said one day that is still with me to the very, you know, still today. Yeah. Is he said something like, people are the most important factor in our lives. Money comes and goes. But if we have the right relationship, the good relationships, they will stay with us the rest of our lives. Okay. So he was a great inspiration for my networking activities. Mm -hmm. And what kind of work did he do? Well, he was, he was entrepreneur in the textile industry, trading textiles uh, from Germany to Russia. He was like a middleman. Okay. Um, uh, we, we had some manufacturing plant in, in Łódź in Poland. And uh, so he was trading across cultures okay. <laughs> during communistic times, uh, which was really, really tough um, back then in Poland. Uh, but um, it was amazing because, you know, the power of relationships was so strong that yes. even though he, he wasn't a, a member of the communistic party, he was untouchable. Okay. Even the government, communistic government, that really didn't like people operating outside the party, uh, they couldn't do anything about him because he, he had connections everywhere. Uh -huh. That's how you know uh, relationships can be 
really powerful in business. Wojciech, it's been really fascinating hearing about uh, all your experiences in life, uh, moving country from Poland to UK, how you've set up your own business and got to the level you're at, and not least hearing about your granddad and how he was such an inspiration to you. So I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Wojciech. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. Just a few things before the embers fade and we wrap up another episode of the Fireside with Voxgig podcast. You can find notes and links from this podcast at voxgig.com slash podcasts. We also publish a weekly newsletter on public speaking, selecting the best advice and techniques from some of the world's greatest speakers, both ancient and modern. Rhetoric is an old and revered art, not especially easy to master, but it is a skill like any other and one you too can learn. Visit voxgig.com speakers to subscribe to the newsletter. If you've enjoyed this fireside chat, please consider subscribing to our podcast. Please also leave a review. That helps us make this podcast even better. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can reach out to us on Twitter at voxgig, V-O-X-G-I-G. If you'd like to be counted as a supporter, just let us know and we'll add you to our supporters page. And one final reminder to check our sponsor, simplecast.com, who helped make this podcast possible. 